it's a pleasure to be here this morning. I just wanted to thank John, Pastor John, again for the opportunity uh, to speak to you from my heart and just share, you know, God's word and what an awesome privilege it is. And welcome to the house of the Lord. Uh, my name's Jonathan Mello, and uh, you know, I've I've been with um, Teen Challenge for 15 years, and this isn't about me, but um, Jesus saved my life, um, and and I can never just yell that enough. You know, when I was in absolute darkness, and God used this vessel of Teen Challenge to rescue me uh, when I was 20, and it's been an amazing journey to get to, to where I'm at now. Um, and so um, just thank you for allowing me to come and, and share with you this morning. Uh, the text that we read from was Matthew 5, 8, and I'll just I'll read it again. Uh, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Uh, let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, and we give you thanks. We give you thanks for mercy and grace. Um, for just your power and your provision in our lives, Lord, that you reached into darkness to rescue us, that you left a throne of glory, you left the kingdom of heaven, you left perfection to put on rags of a servant and become like us, to save us, to become as we are. to intimately know us, to move us from, this, from the place of, of, of self into the place of righteousness that you have so freely offered and given to your saints. Father, as we delve into your word this morning, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would illuminate it, that it would illuminate it in our hearts, um, that you would affect change from the inside out. In Jesus' name, amen. I think I put this on. Oh. There we go. Um, John 10.10 reads this. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they would have life and have it abundantly. And the reason I share that text in, in, with, with the one that I just read uh, is because we have to be aware and on guard that the things that Jesus has promised us, the things that, that Christ has come and said that we have part of, there is, there is another power that comes to take it just as quickly, that comes to steal our joy, to steal our hope, to steal our freedom, to come and, and snatch it away from us. And he, he may try, but, but Jesus warns us, there's, there's one who is, who's come to steal, kill, and destroy, and to pull us from the promises that God has given us. And Jesus said, but I, I have come life. I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Now, what Jesus isn't talking about there is a great life now. Is all the riches and blessings of, of, of life now, of prosperity. What he's saying, I've come to give them eternity with me. I've come to give them peace. And, and, and what comes with, the, in, with eternity with Christ is freedom. And that cannot be understated. Freedom. It is, it is the purpose for which Christ came to save us, for freedom. And when Christ says here, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God, then the saints' flags should rise and say, wait a minute. They shall see God. Isn't that our chief end? Isn't that our, our end? Isn't that our end game? To see Christ, to be with him? to be removed from this earth and to be immediately with him? 
well then the, the former I, I need to have. I need to have this pure heart. Because if Christ is saying that blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God, then this is what I must seek and chase after with the utmost diligence and desire. A pure heart. What is that? What does that mean in our lives today? What does that mean in, in how we interact in society or how we carry through life? A pure heart. The importance of this pure heart is freedom. Freedom. The heart is what we are. It's who we are in those private moments. It's not who we are when we prop ourselves up to go and walk in society. Because we all do very well at that. We all have a, a game face that we put on when we walk out the doors of our houses. I have a game face. I know how to act, around, I act a certain way around certain people, and I try my hardest to be consistent, and I'm kind of, you know, sometimes that gets me in trouble. <laughs> but we all have that game face. But who are we? Who are we? Uh, when I was in the program, and I just started out, and I was trying to serve God, and I was, you know, I had one foot in and one foot out, still trying to figure this whole, whole thing. Um, someone came to me, and they told me this. They said, Jonathan, you are who you are at 11 o'clock when the lights go out, and you're in your head, and you're all alone. And, and at that time, that was the single most precious advice that I had ever been given, because I knew who I was then. And I felt such a great need at that point for more of Jesus. And it began to drive me because I wanted less of that person on the inside and more of Christ. Because the, the alternative to freedom is bondage. The alternative to freedom is slavery. John eleven forty three verse through 44, Jesus said, uh, the word of God reads, when these things when he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with cloths. And Jesus said to him, unbind him and let him go. And so here's a very familiar passage of scripture. Jesus calls Lazarus out of the grave, dead for a number of days. And when someone died, they would wrap them with this cloth that would kind of keep the, some preservation, but it wasn't like any process we have today. At this point in time, Lazarus was a hot mess. There was, there was an odor to him. There was the stench of death that covered him. And when Jesus cried, and he said to them, he said, move the stone, and he called out. And it says that Lazarus came out with all of the death bandages across him. And he looked at his disciples and he said, all right, now go and remove the bandages from him. And likewise, how Jesus, is, how Jesus, how the disciples came forward and removed the stench of death, how Jesus removed the, the, the appearance of death, the, the, the stench of death, and even death itself, Christ won't leave us the same way. When Christ rescues us from our sin, when Christ rescues us from the, the mess that we're in, when we come to that place where we kind of throw our hands in the air and we say, Jesus, save us. Jesus at that point is committed not to leave us the same way in which he found us. That does not mean that we become perfect and, life go, and we can kind of go through life perfectly, but we stumble forward. We're, we're moving forward in Christ. 
And as we're moving forward in him, Christ is committed to cleaning us up. To be right by our sides, by our sides, and assisting us, and moving with us. And, and kind of, you know, Jonathan, you need to get rid of that now. Okay, Jonathan, it's, it's, it's time for that to go. And that's freedom. Because we're no longer held hostage to our sinful natures. We're no longer held hostage to the whims of this world, to the desires of the flesh, to the, the lust of our eyes, and the, the pride that comes with it of life itself. Jesus doesn't want us to be in bondage. He wants us to be free. Galatians 5.1 reads, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. John 8.36, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And Romans 5.8, But God shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And this was the extent that God went through so that we could be free. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake he made him who knew no sin to become sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. And so here, Christ looks upon his creation. And he's got a plan. But that plan meant that he was going to step off his throne of glory, the king of heaven, and wrap himself in the, in the rags of a servant. That's what it would be like. It would be like the king of a, of a kingdom kind of stepping off his throne and, and leaving his, his, his throne room, leaving his castle, and then putting on the rags of a servant. And even that analogy falls woefully short of the descent that Christ made to earth. And Scripture here says that he made him who knew no sin to become sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. Isn't that precious? That Christ clothes us in his righteousness? That we don't have to kind of muster up our own righteousness? Spoiler alert, we don't really have any <laughs> to muster up. How bad was sin? You know, I, I really believe that our view of sin directly affects our view of salvation. And so if sin is some nominal thing that we as people can overcome, then salvation will come across as very nominal in our lives or the work that Christ did. But the greater we begin to see how bad it was, of how, how viciously sin ripped through humanity with Adam and Eve and how it's plagued humanity since, then we'll see what a great sacrifice and what a great mission Christ endured. And um, when, when Jesus was kind of explaining this later on in this chapter, he's you know, talking to a lot of people who have a lot of preconceptions of, of the law. And what he did is he began to dismantle it. He began to, to, to pick it apart for the sole purpose of saying your situation is a lot worse than what you think it is. You've heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I say to you, if you looked at a woman with lust, you've committed adultery in your heart. You've heard it said, do not commit murder. But I say to you, if you have anger towards your brother, then you've already committed murder in your heart. And Jesus took sin from something that was outwardly observed to something that was inwardly dwelling. 
something that was there. Because if I go through the Ten Commandments, I, I got to raise my hand. All ten. And it didn't come from something that was on the outside of me. It didn't come from the, my situation in life. It didn't come from uh, the effect other people had on me. It came from me. The buck had to stop here. The issue was my heart. The issue was what was inside of me produced what it was. What was inside of me produced, replicated, what was already there. And so this wasn't a problem that I could fix by cleaning the outside of my cup. This wasn't a problem that could be fixed by, by kind of learning how to bend over and, and tie my bootstraps up, so to speak. And march on, good Christian. And try to follow all these commandments as good as I can, because the reality is I Because in me is a heart which is weakly deceitful above all things wherein there is no cure. And that's the standard. And so when that standard of the law begins to shoot through the roof, because that was the problem. The problem was there was a religious group that thought they had everything managed. They kind of had it all under control. That's what was going on. You know, when, you, when we look at the, if you, if you kind of read through this, this text, you'll, you'll notice things, and Jesus says, you've heard it said this. And if you look back in the Old Testament referent, uh, you don't see that. You see like half of it. You see like half of that statement, but you can't find the rest of it. Well, what Jesus was doing was he was quoting, uh, for lack of better words right now, commentary, so to speak, that were added on to the law. And so you had the law, and then the, they came along and they put the Talmud next to it, which was a commentary of the law. And then you had a Mishnah, which was a commentary of the Talmud, which was a commentary of the law. And this string of books goes like seven, eight deep. To the point where you, there's, a, there's a piece in there about tithing, about that thick, how to tithe. Because they tried to manage God. Are you following me on that one? They had managed, they had narrowed it down and managed God. This is what we must do to be right. And you can't do that because we can't do it. It's impossible for us to do it. And so when Jesus moves them, he moves them to the matters of the heart. Because if we look inward within ourselves, we see that it's, it's there. It's inside of us. It's not on the outside of us. It's not something that we can manage. It's not something that we can fix. This purity of heart is something that must be dealt with on the inside first. And that's kind of a problem. There's good news coming. I'm, let me just say that now. Um, the end result, you shall see God. Hebrews uh, 12, 14 says, without holiness, no one will see God. There's your reference. Without holiness, no one will see God. I'm not holy. That's a problem. Because the scripture doesn't say without some form of holiness. Or maybe if you're 10% holy. 
It says holy. The basis for this pure heart isn't how good we are, but it's how good God is. The basis for this purity of heart that Jesus speaks doesn't come from us. It comes from him. Psalm 139, 1, you have looked deep into my heart, Lord, and you know all about me. David said, every inch, everything about me, you know it. Which means God knows the problem. Which means God knows the issue. And a lot of times in life, we, especially in this Christian walk, we can kind of have this idea that God doesn't get us. That sometimes we're going through something, and it's very difficult for us to kind of accept the reality that God knows. And yeah, I get that a lot. I deal with people who have very significant struggles in life all the time. And I get that. I get, Jonathan, you don't know what I've done. Jonathan, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know the things that I've committed. How could God ever accept me? How could God ever take me where I'm at and not to pull punches, but that's one of the most prideful statements. Because at that point, you're rising your sin, your mess, your difficulties above the cross of Christ. And there isn't a thing, there isn't a sin that the cross of Christ can't cover. There isn't, there isn't a, a situation that Jesus doesn't understand. He knows us. Not only does he know us, but he doesn't know us from a distance. He knows us intimately. He knows our thoughts before we think them. He knows our actions before we do them. He knows our inhibitions. He knows our shortcomings. And he loves us for who we are. And he's committed to us to see us removed and moved forward in the light of his glory. Psalm 51.10, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. David understood that purity of the heart does not start with the work, has to start with the work of God and not a work of the flesh. And by flesh here I mean one's own personal desire or ambition. It has to start with him. And so this pure heart that we're seeking, this pure heart that we have to have, doesn't come from us making a decision to have a pure heart. It comes from us making a decision to get closer to Jesus so that Jesus can impart this pure heart into us. It comes from getting into that place of, of, of prayer because that's the only way this works. The only way any of this works is finding that intimacy with Christ. A pure heart is something that must be sought in the realm of prayer. Only intimacy with God, who is the ultimate good, can we expect this important gift. This important free gift that God gives. 
Oswald Chambers said this, prayer does not prepare us for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. And it's in that realm of prayer that we learn to become intimate with our Father. It's within that realm of prayer that Jesus begins to instill himself in us, right? That scripture said, without holiness, no one will see God. Well, that's kind of good news, bad news. Bad news, uh, we're not holy. Good news, Christ is. Good news, when God sees us as his children, he sees us clothed in what? The righteousness of Christ. Clothed in who he is. So we must allow God to enter in to that place. And we don't want to let anyone else in. We must begin to delve in with prayer, and I mean just passion, to get closer with him and allow him to change us from the inside. This purity of heart is something that is right there for all of us. And in the end, we're going to see him, and it's all worth it. Thank you for allowing me to share this morning. Um, truly, it was an honor.